This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 783. I will say the purpose, uh, or, or maybe the goal of this conversation is, is to kind of walk through the home buying process, whether you're trying to invest, whether you're just trying to buy your primary residence, whether you're buying a, even a vacation home or something. Um, so if you're listening and you're thinking, I don't know if I'm ready for real estate investing, um, one, maybe you should be. And two, this is going to be applicable to anyone, no matter what type of home you're buying. What's going on, everyone? It's David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets podcast here today with my co-host, Rob Abasola, with a bit of a different episode. Today, Rob and I are sharing the mic with Chris Hutchins, podcast host of All the Hacks, a very cool podcast that teaches people how to hack their way through life, specifically with personal finance. In today's show, Chris interviews Rob and I, getting information that many of you probably never heard about how to save money in real estate through using agents, looking for deals, home inspections, really like everything we could possibly think of for those that don't own a lot of real estate. Rob, how are you feeling? Good, good. Yeah, we broke it down really uh, from start to finish. We talk about agents, listings, due diligence, the financing, getting insurance for the properties that you're buying. This is going to pertain to everyone that's looking to buy a primary residence. This is going to pertain to everyone looking to buy investment properties. We really do cover everything. And honestly, for for how much I've heard you speak on the podcast, David, you still yet yeah, you, you still amaze me, my friend. You gave one of the coolest tips about disclosures, and that's all I'm going to say. That is today's quick tip is just to listen to the entire episode because the entire episode is quick tips. But once you get to that tip about the disclosures, I was like, wow, this man is, he's done it. He has done it. He has figured it out. So congratulations and kudos, my friend. Thank you. So this episode is going to be aired on our podcast and Chris's podcast, All the Hacks. But it was cool that we were interviewed because we got a chance to share some of the knowledge that we have when normally we're the person interviewing the guests to get to what they know. I kind of like the change of pace. And I think you will too. Today's episode is full of actual advice. It's probably one you're going to want to listen to two or maybe three times. So make sure that you are using the note app in your phone, or if you still use a pen and ink and paper, taking some notes because there is stuff that is guaranteed to save you money. And today's quick tip is listen to all three parts of this episode. There was so much good info in our conversation with Chris that we broke it into three easy 30-minute segments so you can actually absorb all the good intel instead of just being overwhelmed with one long show. If you're listening to this on the day it airs, then we will see you back here tomorrow and the next day for parts two and three. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. 
Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through Rent to Retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, Rental Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. All right, let's bring in Chris. How the turntables have turned. Chris, welcome to our show. And I will just go ahead and welcome myself to your show to save you the time there. We've got a cool little crossover event going on here today. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar, my name is David Green. I'm a former police officer who became a real estate investor and is now a real estate broker. I have a mortgage company called The One Brokerage. I run a real estate team. I buy rentals, I write books, and I host the Bigger Pockets podcast. Yeah. And I'm uh, Rob Abasolo. I am the co-host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. I have a goofy YouTube channel called Rob Built where I teach people how to invest in real estate, short-term rentals, tiny homes. Uh, and I'm a former ad Ad man, if you will, uh, just like the, you know, Ad Mad Men, the TV show is basically me. I was a copywriter and I quit all that, quit all the corporate dreams about two years ago to focus full time on real estate and documenting the journey. I'm Chris Hutchins. Thanks for having me and thanks for joining me. Uh, I host the All the Hacks podcast. As, as people listening from that side know, I'm all about trying to optimize and upgrade every aspect of your life. I want to do it while spending less and saving more and I want to really dial things in. And so, I'm glad we're here because I've gotten lots of questions about just the whole home buying process. And I was like, who could I find that knows more about this than I do? And so I thought, let's do this conversation. You guys are are the pros. I've listened to your show, I don't know, countless times. And I, I thought this could be really fun for everyone on both sides to go through front to back. How do you buy a home and optimize every step of the way? And for all those listening on Bigger Pockets, but who haven't heard about Chris, his podcast, All the Hacks, is an award-winning podcast that will teach you to upgrade your life, money, and travel, all while spending less and saving more, which we love because the more money that we save, the more real estate we could buy, which is what most of us are addicted to. Yeah. So let's jump in. Like, Someone wants to buy a house. I always tend to ask people, before you're even thinking about this, why are you doing this? So I'm curious if you guys have any frameworks you use for thinking about why you would buy a house, what's important to you. It doesn't even make sense before we jump into optimizing the entire process. 
Well, I mean, there's a, a lot of reasons to get into real estate. I don't think that there's any one particular reason. Some people get into real estate accidentally where they buy a house and they live in that house. And then one day they decide to buy another house and move into that house. And then they have to decide, should they sell or should they buy or should they sell or keep the home? And then they become a landlord and then decide, oh, hey, the cash flow from this is great. And then they buy more houses. Some people buy a house and then house hack and rent out rooms in their, in their home to subsidize their mortgage. And then there are also the other side of it where people work nine to five jobs and maybe they're not making enough money at that nine to five job and they want to create supplemental income. So they get into real estate to help create monthly cash flow. Or maybe they just want to eventually replace their nine to five income with real estate. So, you know, for me, that, that was really why I got into it. I had a pretty stable career in advertising, never really felt like I was making enough money. And so my side hustle became real estate. And I just started buying more properties as a way to make more money to supplement what I did, like what I didn't feel like I was making at my career. What about you, David? What do you think? You know, there's a lot of practical reasons why you want to invest in real estate. Even the casual observer sees home prices getting higher and higher and higher. You watch that the HGTV shows that show how people can make money in real estate. It's kind of understood that it works, but not everyone knows the the brass tacks of why you can make money with real estate. A lot of it are tax advantages. The tax code has quite... It's very forgiving for real estate investors and the money that you make from real estate, you usually pay much less taxes on than if you made that same money at a job because there's a little bit of risk that's going to be involved in it. It's easy to leverage, meaning I can buy a $500,000 house and put maybe 5% down on the loan. So I've only put $25,000 of my money. But when that $500,000 house appreciates by 10%, goes up to five fifty. dollars my $25,000 just made me $50,000 of equity. So it's like I've doubled my money relatively quickly where it's harder to invest in other assets where you could borrow money quite as easily. And then there's lots of ways that real estate makes you money. You could buy it for less than market value. You can't really do that with a stock. You can't go get a deal on Tesla stock or Apple stock and find some way to get it cheaper. You can add value to the property. You can make it bigger. You can make it nicer. You can fix it out. You can change its use so that it can be rented to people. Uh, that creates actual equity, which you can't do with a stock. Uh, there's nothing I can do if I buy Tesla stock to make that company worth more. And then like Rob mentioned, it actually generates revenue. You can rent out spaces in that home. And when you do that correctly, you earn more money every month than what it costs to own the real estate. And that difference is what we refer to as cash flow when that can replace active income. Yeah. I For anyone listening from all the hacks that hasn't really got into real estate investing, you guys have done a great job. Um, I'm going to throw out an episode that is about getting started with just $10,000. I think it was episode 730 because I tried to take some notes ahead of time, but that was excellent. I will say the purpose uh, or, or maybe the goal of this conversation is is to kind of walk through the home buying process, whether you're trying to invest, whether you're just trying to buy your primary residence, whether you're buying a, even a vacation home or something. Um, so if you're listening and you're thinking, I don't know if I'm ready for real estate investing, um, one, maybe you should be. And two, this is going to be pr- applicable to anyone, no matter what type of home you're buying, hopefully, hopefully is what we can get to. So I don't know that's a little bit of the why. For me, I've never actually dabbled too hard in uh, real estate investing outside of like, you know, index fund REITs. Uh, but I've gone through the home buying process as a primary residence and, and I actually own a fractional vacation home. So I own one eighth of a home uh, through a program called Picasso where we bought one eighth of a home up in Napa. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because you can kind of invest. It's kind of a lot better, in my opinion, than uh, a timeshare or anything like that. So that's been great. So that's my experience. 
And I've kind of optimized little pieces of it along the way, but nothing like what you guys have. So I'm excited. Curious, Chris, how well have you done? I think you said you bought a primary residence that you live in, right? Yep. I've done that twice now. And how has that investment, if you just looked at it from a pure investment perspective, outperformed some of the other things you've invested in? Yeah. I mean, I would say the first time around, yes, but I, I had the fortunate luck of buying in the Bay Area at, you know, the the worst possible, you know, bottom of the worst real estate crash. So like I got quite, quite lucky by by timing. I didn't know it was going to do as well as it did. The most recent one, I don't think it's it's been long enough to see anything major, major differences yet. Um, but the first one, if you th- if you layer in taxes and leverage, yeah, it was a great investment. Um, but it's hard. It's hard with an N of one in like a small a market that blew up like crazy to to feel like I know too much uh, based on one success story. That's how it works, though. Honestly, you know, like it, it really does work like that sometimes for people. Where for me, like I think every real estate or every real estate I was gonna say real estate or every real estate investor, they all have this big lofty dream of become, becoming a millionaire, and it's super achievable because you can buy five properties that appreciate over the course of five, 10 years, and you could just have a million dollars in equity. And it wasn't necessarily because you were a genius or because you were the most, you know, like uh, kind of had the most, I don't know, I already said a genius strategy, right? But it, it happens because you just did it and you kept doing it and you keep doing it consistently. And that's really the secret sauce. So yeah, maybe it was by by luck that you bought that house in the in the property. But or in that market. But what a lot of people end up doing is when that happens, they get a taste for it and then they keep just buying and buying and buying and buying. And I think if you do that consistently, no matter what, you'll always look like a genius 30 years from now. Yeah. But we could have a, a much longer debate, maybe a, in a future date about, you know, debating the that strategy, putting it in a stock market, you know, all these other investments. But I think whether you want to build a portfolio of 20 homes, whether you want to buy multifamily homes, commercial properties, or you just want to buy a primary residence, at the end of the day, you got to find the home. You got to buy the home. You got to decide if it's a good deal. You got to close on it. You got to fund 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 the purchase unless you want to buy it with cash, which I'm guessing most people don't. So maybe let's jump into that process and kick off with just someone who's like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. You know, you've been an agent. Let's talk a little bit about that process of of partnering with someone to help you go through this process um, instead of just trying to wing it on your own and and when that makes sense or maybe when it doesn't. Yeah. And if you're going to buy a property, you don't know much about it. You definitely want to use a real estate agent in the beginning. And when you're buying, here's something people don't realize. You don't have to pay your agent. If you're buying a house off of the MLS, this would be any property you see off Zillow or Redfin, something like that. The seller has already predetermined a certain amount of money. They are going to pay the buyer's agent for bringing you to the property. So you have a lot of questions. There's paperwork you're not going to understand. You don't know what the process is. It's intimidating. You find a real estate agent and I'll add, they're not all the same. There's good agents and bad agents. There's good lawyers and bad lawyers, good doctors and bad ones. You really want to find somebody who's good at what they do. They can take a lot of the fear that you have right out of it. I mean, it's amazing when you take this scary process and there's a person that like me that does this so often, it's boring to me. Like, oh, another one of these. I've walked this path so many times. It's definitely not scary. So that's something that every person who wants to buy a home should know right off the bat. Find a buyer's agent. They're going to answer a lot of the questions that you're going to have, and they're going to protect you in ways you didn't even know that you needed to be protected. And maybe we can go through what the actual escrow process looks like or the, or the, the process from start to finish of what to expect when buying a home if you'd like. If you're a little bit more experienced, you bought homes before, one thing that people will look at, especially in a competitive market like ours, Chris, we just realized that we're neighbors. We live pretty close to each other, probably like an hour and some change away. 
is you can go directly to the listing agent and you can say, hey, I will let you represent me on this deal, but I'm going to need some kind of an advantage. I need you to get my offer accepted over the other people, or I'd like a little bit of a discount on the price if you're going to represent me here. So there are people who buy a lot of real estate that has said, hey, I don't think I need my own buyer's agent necessarily. I still need someone to handle the paperwork, but they go right to the listing agent and they look for an advantage. And that is pretty popular in the Bay Area where most listings are getting several offers on all of them. Yeah, actually, I have bought two homes in the Bay Area and both times I've used the seller's agent. Uh, so we can talk about that a little bit more because I have some thoughts about it, but maybe rewind a little. You said, you know, it's important. Not all agents are the same. You got to pick the right one, you know. Obviously, not everyone lives in the Bay Area, so you're not going to be the perfect agent for everyone. How does someone find that perfect agent? First thing to look for, find a person that sells a lot of houses. A lot of agents don't. In fact, most agents don't. I'd say 90% of agents sell a couple houses a year or less. And it's unpopular to say this. The agents get angry because they're offended right now. Like, just because I only sell two houses a year doesn't mean I'm not good. Okay, I know. However, tell me anything that you do twice a year that you get really, really good at. Like in general, that's how life works. If you snowboard twice a year for your whole life, you never really get that good at snowboarding or it takes you 20 years before you're as good as somebody that just snowboarded every weekend for the whole first year that they got into it. Repetition really does develop mastery. I talk about that in the Burr book that I wrote. So the first thing I look for is an agent that sells a lot of homes, period. The next thing I want is an agent that owns real estate themselves. At minimum, they got to own their own house. But ideally, I want them to own investment property. It gives a completely different perspective when you've bought a home and you believe in it and you just get a different set of goggles to look at real estate through. I don't have any kids. I love kids. We were talking about that before the show. But each of you as a as a dad, I am sure see something different when you look at a kid than I do, right? Like I don't immediately freak out when they start putting something in their nose. I haven't had enough experience of seeing how they could go wrong, right? Rob has seen some of that. So he's going to have a much different emotional response to that marble or that Play-Doh getting a little bit close to the nostrils. Real estate agencies that own real estate have that sixth sense. They can recognize that's a bad neighborhood. That's not the right tenant. That's not the right floor plan. That's not the right structure. You really want to go to this house that may not look as pretty in the pictures, but will be a better deal. The third thing that you want to look for is an agent that understands the financial component of real estate. Many real estate agents are geared to cater to their clients' emotions. They want to be liked. They're very high on as an eye on the disc profile. This is how they make their money, by being likable. Most people reach out to the agent who's the nicest, the friendliest, the warmest. That doesn't mean they're the smartest. So when you're having conversations, I always want to hear agents that are approaching real estate from a financial perspective. I want to hear them telling me, this is the part of town that's being redeveloped. This is the next up-and-coming area. This is is where all the money is going into. This is a property that would function as a rental if you moved out. Even if that's not necessarily what you're looking for, you just want to buy a home. If your agent sees things that way, it is very good to hedge your bets in the future because you never know when you have more kids, need more bedrooms, get a new job, want to move for some reason. You don't want to be locked into a situation where it's hard to sell that home or it can't be used as a rental property if you want to leave it. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. David, let me ask you something. Does the requirement of having a an agent that owns real estate, is that as important if you're just buying a primary residence? Like, Do you weight that a lot heavier for people that are looking to buy investment properties? No, it's the same for a primary residence. Let me tell you why. The first house I ever bought, my agent did not own any real estate. And I bought this house in the very end of 2009. Great time to buy real estate, like you were saying, Chris. My agent did not tell me that the property taxes in that area had special assessments assigned to them and were much higher than the normal property taxes. In fact, they ended up being about $250 a month higher. So I was expecting $300. They were $550. Now, I was buying this as a rental property, but even if I had been buying it to live in, and again, I remember at the time, the total mortgage was like $1,300. So bumping it from $1,300 to 1550 was a pretty significant chunk. It's like a 20% increase almost in my overall payment because they overlooked that property taxes were higher. Now, agents who own real estate themselves would be familiar with the fact that property tax bills come. There's more expenses than just your principal and interest on your mortgage. They would see angles like insurance can increase in this area because it's in a flood zone. Uh, I really think she missed it because she had never paid a mortgage on her own. She never had her 
taxes and her insurance escrowed into her mortgage payment. The next time I bought a house, it was with an agent that had been selling houses for a very long time and sold a lot and owned a lot of real estate herself. And as we went through the process, she educated me. You don't want to buy in that part of town because you're going to pay extra money to get the better school districts. You don't want to buy over there because the taxes are higher. You don't want to buy a house like that because with that kind of a roof, your insurance is going to be a lot higher. I learned so much about investing in real estate just from the person that was getting paid to help me. It was like free advice and free knowledge. And it really gave me a different perspective of what to look for and what to avoid. I love it. Okay. So I I just sent a link to you and I'm, you know, there's this guy in Northern California. Maybe you know him, Stanley Lowe. Number one agent in Northern California for 10 years, looks like and is commonly described in, in San Mateo County as like the Asian Elvis of real estate agents. <laughs> and, and so when you first said, look for someone who sells a lot of houses, I was looking at, I, I, I know this guy, I get the flyers in the mail, like he sells all the houses, uh, you know, high volume, high throughput, not just low income property, all kinds of price ranges. Does that mean that if I were looking for a real estate agent, like, would he be the right, like, the right guy? Would it, should I consider him, even though it might not feel like someone, you know, someone's personality is, you know, maybe that's not the personality I would want as my real estate agent. But like, do the numbers speak more than than a personality? How do you think about that? And if anyone's curious, greenbanker.com is this real estate agent's website. I mean, he's got it down. I will say that. I mean, the marketing, the cowhide blazer and the big circular glasses. I mean, I'm in personally. That's funny. That's because <laughs> I'd be running the other way the minute I saw this. <laughs> I'm in. So he does sell a lot of homes, I'm sure. And so he probably does have some experience. My gut would tell me as someone who has worked with a lot of clients and, and knows a lot of realtors, this is probably not someone who's actually going to be representing you. He's going to have staff that are going to be handling a lot of it. You're not going to be talking to Stanley. And he is he's going to likely make up for a lack of negotiation ability and focus on saving you money or making you money if it's a listing with his personality. So he's a great marketer. And the top producing agents are always the best marketers. This is a problem in our industry. The best agents don't make the most money. The ones that are best at getting the phone to ring make the most money. But that doesn't mean that they're the best when it comes to representing you. So you want someone that sold a lot of houses, but maybe you don't necessarily want the person who markets themselves as the person who sold the most houses. Yes. Uh, and, and so it's not kind of that sweet spot of maybe like the 60th to 90th percentile, but not the, not the very top. There's a lot of things people fall for. I, I sell the most houses in this neighborhood. Realtors will use that as a way of saying, I'm the best. Don't fall for that. It makes sense to our perspective when we're listing the home. Oh, you saw all the houses in the neighborhood. You know how to get me top dollar. You just don't realize until you think about it, the buyers don't care. The buyers don't care who's selling that house. They are never going to look at who the listing agent is when they're writing their offer. They just care about the house. The buyer's agent needs to know the neighborhood. The buyer's agent needs to know the amenities. When you're, when you're looking to buy somewhere, you want an agent that knows the area very well. When you're looking to sell, it will never matter how many homes in the area that agent sold. In fact, the only reason they sell a lot of homes in the same area is they put their sign in all the yards and then they go, we call it farming, knocking on all the doors and meeting all the people, getting their name out there. They're just able to utilize a listing to build leverage to get more. But there's no competitive advantage when it comes to representing a seller if you've sold other homes in the area. I wanted to add one thing to that. Well, A, it sounds like if they're putting signs in everyone's yards, it sounds like they're good marketers, which goes back to what you were saying. But I did want to say that one really important piece to to agents just from a consumer side and as someone that relies on agents pretty heavily is them having a really thorough Rolodex of vendors that I can use 
to help me run my properties, whether I'm living in it or not. Like if I'm buying a short-term rental, for example, I know I need a contractor, cleaner, landscaper, pool maintenance person, pest control, and probably a plumber, electrician, and all that type of stuff. So when I'm calling a realtor, and this goes into how many houses have they sold, if they've sold a lot of houses over the last 5-10 years, they probably have a pretty thorough Rolodex. I mean, outdated term. If they use the term Rolodex, maybe... Maybe they're not with it. But if they have a very big contact list of all these different vendors, that's what I'm personally looking for in a realtor. Because a lot of the times, you know, I, I really need a firsthand referral to know that I can successfully either live in a property or execute a, a rental. Yeah, that Rolodex is interesting. It's something I never saw in the contract. But once you close, I was surprised that even though it's not necessarily required, a good agent will spend so much time helping make sure the process from... I, I closed to, I moved in, I got the yard done, I renovate, even renovated something. They've been super helpful there. I do, I, 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 we have a lot to go here, but I do want to touch quickly on kind of that negotiating piece that you mentioned earlier, David. When someone's trying to get into this, what leverage or room is there for negotiating? You know, I, I, I did what you suggested. I went to the seller's agent and said, hey, I, I don't want to mess around. I know I want this house. I don't need to go find another agent. I feel good in negotiating. Will you work with me? It ended up being a great, situation because that agent got more commission and was a little bit more biased towards trying to get my my purchase over the finish line. Um, and in one case, rebated rebated 1% of their fee back to me. Are there other rooms for negotiation? Are there other tactics someone can use to get a better price or likelihood of getting accepted? Well, the first thing you have to do is define a win. So in a situation where the house is getting 10 offers, a win is just getting it at all. There are times in the Bay Area or other hot markets with restricted supply and lack of inventory that you're just not going to get a home, period. It's incredibly hard to get in contract. You're competing with so many people. So in those situations, you're not going to get a discount from your listing agent. You're not going to get a better price on the home. You just have to get it. Now, in other situations, which is what I try to target my clients into, I show them properties that less people are competing with. The listing photos are ugly. It's been in contract. It fell out of contract. Now the days on market have ticked up and people aren't looking at it anymore. I look for opportunities to help them get into a property with much less interest, and then we can get them a discount on the price. We can save them some money there. A mistake a lot of people make is they go to the listing agent of an incredibly hot property. They ask for a discount from the listing agent and they go, no, there's like 12 other people that want to buy this house. I can get my client a hundred grand more going with a different offer. I'm not going to discount commission just to help you get it. So that's a big piece is knowing when you have leverage and when you don't. And I want to talk about making that offer now, right? Like, let's say someone's gone through this process. They pick their agent. They've figured out what they're doing and, and they find a house and they're trying to decide is this a good house? So let's start with that before we get to the offer. It's like you have a place in mind. You're looking at this listing. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't have an agent yet. But what are the things that are really important for someone to be paying attention to when they're looking at a listing, either online or in person? If you're also curious about the things smart buyers look for in a listing, keep listening. The next part of this conversation will drop tomorrow. So make sure you're subscribed into the Bigger Pocket Real Estate Podcast and go check out all the hacks wherever you get your podcasts. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. 
Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.